0: Didn't just get all fat
1: and sassy. Welcome to
0: the Power Trip Morning Show. Uh, certainly not. K102
1: is my country. You're listening to the Bets and Quotes Podcast. The Bets and Quotes
2: Podcast. Yeah, the Bets and Quotes Podcast. I didn't even know this was a thing. I don't care. We can throw it out. I don't I care it either it way yeah. either. Let's what? bet something else. I bet you're a big puss. Yeah, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Bets and Quotes podcast, a podcast for the Rubes, by the Rubes,
2: talking all things Power Trip. Bets and Quotes is hosted by Chuck, better known as Power Trip
0: Bets. Why I love Chuck is that's exactly how I felt about the show, but I couldn't
1: articulate it the way that he did.
0: And Dave, the one and only Power Trip Quotes.
1: Guy, he's going to get in there and just try to maul you.
0: They were going to get an apartment together and see how things went, but settled on a podcast instead. Our legal disclaimer is simply that lawyer Lambert probably likes us better than you, so good luck suing us. We hope you enjoy this episode, but if not, feel free to play Jax on 494. Well, Dave, just one more week until one of the seminal moments of the Power Trip year. The Power Trip mock draft is next Thursday. Um, I'm six to midnight. Just thinking about it.
2: Yes, it, it is uh, Meat Sauce's most be- wonderful time of the year. The NFL draft kicked off by you know the 73rd annual uh, Power Trip mock draft, which I I think every it's like dog years, like every year it gains nine years um, for the annualness. It, it, it seems like it's going to be about the 227th year uh, next year.
0: Well, and it just gets better and better every single year. And of course the Vikings this year will be picking in the 12th spot. So uh, they will have their analysts out there running down the picks. Uh, it's one of my, one of my favorite shows of the year. Absolutely. One of my favorite segments. Cause uh, I'm like sauce. I'm a total draft nerd and uh, i also have money on it uh please somebody draft <laughs> draft our guy before pick 12 and a half and uh i will be a very happy man so um, i'll be very happy if he falls to us at, uh, at 12 that would be the best case scenario is i win money and he's at 12 but so exciting and dave it's like next friday night so like you know clear your calendars people the best show of the year hands down my honest to god it's my favorite show of the year it's the friday night meat sauce and nordo draft extravaganza it is so much fun um i don't know what it'll be like this year with quasi doing the draft but when spielman would trade back it used to piss sauce and nordo off and it was just like two to three hours of just pure gold
2: yes no it is definitely something that we uh I think even before we started recording, this podcast had bonded over as we were the, you know, a couple of the hundred, hundred or thousand idiots listening to uh, Meat Sauce and Nordo talk draft and panic. And, uh, you know, the, the emotional swings are so fun to listen to on that Friday night. It is typically, I typically save my first lawn mowing for that Friday after work. So I parlay listening, you know, listening up to the podcast and turn that into, um, you know, mowing the lawn and listening to, you know, PA and, and then uh, and sitting on the deck and listening to Nordo and, and meat sauce talk draft.
0: It's the best. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. I'm so looking forward to the draft. The draft coverage of the NFL draft is just so much fun. And if you can get some money on it, it'll be even more fun. Well, tonight we got. I mean, we got to get going. We're we're doing a very abbreviated show because we're saving all the time for our guy Max. Uh, he gave us a ton of his time to uh, talk about all things Max. So uh, that's that's going to consume a whole ton of the show. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna get right to it. We're gonna cut everything short. We're even gonna cut out the intros. Uh, We're just going to dive right into, uh, we're going to do one bet and one quote this week. That's how much we're paring it down. Uh, Did want to mention too that, uh, you know, since we're known for live score updates on this show, the Wild and Dallas Stars are currently tied 2-2, 11.45 to go in the third. So this is a real nail biter. And, um, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, this is probably the first update you're getting. Hopefully we'll have one more update before the show's over but uh, there's your live score update. And thank you to all of our Patreon listeners that showed up on Tuesday night to watch your Minnesota Timberwolves advance and claim the number seven seed. Uh, There was pandemonium in the streets. A parade is being (laughs) planned. I believe Uh, just, just, absolute insanity but no on all on a total series note congratulations to the wolves for officially making the playoffs uh we lost the bet because i took the value on the clippers money line but i did it as a win-win i figure either way we either win the bet or we uh see the timberwolves win so uh we lost the cash and got the wolves win so good luck to the wolves in their upcoming series against memphis and let's get rolling with these bets uh the bet i'm going to talk about Is The Masters, Uh, of course, one of the the biggest bets of the year. I think it's one of the most um, anticipated bets that they look forward to. Uh, Huge field this year, 17 people in the Masters field. They added a third place this year. Uh, That was Sauce's idea, so they added third place. So second still gets the cut fees and their money back, but third place also gets their money back. Which um, unfortunately for the winner this year took away four hundred dollars uh because two people actually tied for third place. But your winner in the biggest bet of the year, John Bonus claims the biggest prize ever, twenty six hundred dollars as Scotty Scheffler <laughs> wins the Masters.
2: Oh Scotty, uh congrats to John Bonus. We know what he's been through over the last couple uh well, it's it's been a tough month or two for him, know. Yeah uh, you know, with everything. So I, I guess maybe the money, uh, as talk alluded to help pay for, uh, three different hotel rooms in <laughs> over, over the pond.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, we should, I should also say a, a big thank you to you who, um, told me to take Scotty Scheffler. And um, I gladly did. Uh, it was, I think for both of us, it was one of the most enjoyable master Sundays of all time because we both had Cam Smith and we both had Scotty Scheffler um, at very nice odds as singles. And uh, yeah, it was just fun to uh, to watch them play it out. In the end, it was uh, Scheffler kind of in a runaway. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a very good call on your part, Dave. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah, I uh, really loved Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler. I uh, had them one and two in my rankings going into the week, so uh felt pretty felt pretty smart for once. Uh you know, it, <laughs> everybody always talks about their uh you know, their big wins and their and their big feelings on on certain games and tournaments, but uh you know, there there's the complete opposite side of that as well. But hey, it's nice to win a couple, you know? It's like you, you, you can get some cold streaks, but uh, you know he hit Scotty Scheffler a couple times at sixteen to one, and uh, get him in our in our little group bet. You know my Jayhawks win, I cash that future. You know yes. things are things are pretty hot over here. Coming
0: around, Chubbsy. The the best part for me is that I place the bet in Iowa, and uh, so I can't touch the money until we're in Vegas because uh, obviously Missouri doesn't have uh, legal sports betting yet. We're close, but. Don't have it yet. So uh, that money just gets to sit there and it'll be waiting for me in Vegas. So uh, that's probably a good thing. Or I might've blown it all on hockey over unders. So uh, good news all around. Um, yeah. So congratulations, Scotty Shuffler. And most importantly, congratulations, John bonus. All right. We're going to do that quote of the week. Uh, you want to set this up?
2: Yes. Uh, the only the, now I should, I should preface this. This is a first timer uh, quotes of the week. And the number one quote of the week goes to noted NFL draft expert Martin Moistchew.
1: All right. Let's have those picks. I don't even know what that means.
0: <laughs> Please, Charlotte, shut up. God damn, she doesn't know when to keep her mouth shut. I wish Cam Newton's here. <laughs> oh my gosh uh calling right on the cam newton card
2: yeah and uh you know (laughs) i think it might have landed harder if if he would have put a little pause there you know there was kind of a comma it it, that was supposed to be in that sentence but i think he hawk got so excited about that joke and line that he just blurted it out (laughs) all, (laughs) all at once it was so it was so good um or I mean, Martin Martin. Yes. Noted NFL draft expert,
0: you know, circling back to the power trip mock draft. Um, I really hope that they have Martin Moistu there to break down every selection after it's made. You know, a lot of times they'll have a uh, charge or somebody give their analysis. I think Martin moisture should be the guy to do the analysis of each of the picks of the mm-hmm. 73rd annual power trip morning show mock draft.
2: That would be, uh, you know, th- there are some big, there's some heavy hitters, some sluggers in that room for the Power Trip Mock Draft. They don't, uh, they get PA involved in charge and everybody. I, I could see no better person to put on that panel than noted NFL draft expert Martin Moistchew.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You tell me the PA knows more about the uh, the Viking selection than Martin. That's ridiculous. Please. That's preposterous, as they would say. All right. Well, uh, it is time. Well, well, I should say the uh, Wild are still tied two to two now with 733 to play in the third. So uh, that's your your update. Hopefully the Wild can get the two points tonight as they're headed towards the playoffs. Uh, but right now we got to get to the main dish. Uh, everybody knows Max. Uh, love the guy. Um, just uh, a bucket full of quotes. He's the defending quarter of the year champion. He has a leg up already on the 2022 quarter of the year tournament uh just a a great guy and uh we were very fortunate to get some time with him he was very generous with his time and it was a lot of fun to talk to max all right we've got max tonight folks and um you know, I, I would I would go on record as saying this could potentially be the most unhinged interview we've done since we interviewed <laughs> the actual moose soup lady like two or three years ago. She's absolutely nuts, and yes, Hawkwood, in case you're wondering. But uh, <laughs> Max, uh, we're we're thrilled to have you. You are a, such an interesting guy. You're the defending quote of the year champion, and uh, my sources say you are the uh, the leader in the clubhouse for quote of the year champion 2022 <laughs> as well. Welcome to the show, Max.
1: I'm honored to be here. Can I before we
0: move forward, um, what the hell
1: is moose soup? Can I just ask You,
0: you don't know the moose soup lady thing? No, I've she, never What is that? She's the one they have they have a bunch of button bar drops from her, but she's the one that'll she'll say things like, "That was freaking crazy," or "You guys are <laughs> doing good." Like that's, it, it was some viral video like 4 or 5 years ago where some guy fell out of a boat and that on a uh, it was some boat race and she was filming it and some guy fell out of the boat and she just went bananas like you know you lost <laughs> your passenger and she just screaming and yeah it went super viral and uh she's she's fairly crazy and i managed to get a hold of her and did an interview with her and it was like i talked for maybe 30 seconds over the course of about an hour and a half with her she is <laughs> nuts but um, oh, yeah, lovely man. lady and Hawk definitely would. So if you're, ever, if you're ever in Fairbanks, Alaska, look up Moose Soup Lady.
1: I, I definitely would because if Hawk would, I probably would, too. Let's, <laughs> let's all be
2: honest.
0: Well, and, and speaking of that, that's actually where I wanted to start tonight. Uh, you know, you told us on the air about several of your adventures over in uh, Europe, obviously you went to Ireland. You went over to uh, Denmark, Scotland. You were all over the place there. Yeah. Um, are there are there any stories that were not suitable for air that you'd uh, like to fill our listeners in on? <laughs> I mean, nothing with any nothing with any
1: ladies, unfortunately. I mean, I mean not anything like sexual or anything like that. I, I, I believe I touched <laughs> on it a little bit when I was I was in when I went to the club in uh, Budapest, and it was. I mean, seriously, I was starting to wonder if people thought I was Drake or Luke <laughs> or someone like just anybody black that was famous because so many people were coming up to me and, you know, shaking my hand. the girls are literally leaving their boyfriends just stone cold right in the middle of the bar to come up to me and talk to me and touch my hair. I had girls all up on me. I mean, I was dancing with like two or three girls at the same time. It it was utterly just ridiculous. And
0: see, I thought the end of that story was going to be something like the Max 500 or something.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I just I was super drunk and just ended up I was at the it was a Wednesday morning, I guess, by the time it ended. And I all the bars and clubs there open till 6 a.m. on any given day. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, can you imagine how much of a di- disaster that would be if that was the case in Minnesota? But, yeah, I just I ended up just partying until 5 a.m. and and calling it a day. But no, nothing. I was on, man, I was on Tinder and Bumble and, and every as soon as I landed, pretty much. I was turning <laughs> on my phone and I was swiping right. It didn't even matter. I, I There was no left swipes. I did. It did not matter. Um <laughs> and i got a lot of love but i don't know i don't know if it's like um it was like a i think it's you know sexual culture might just be different like hookup culture might, might just be different in europe or maybe i just met a bunch of shy women but um i also was only in each place for like two days so you know you yeah gotta just go, you gotta yeah. be pretty like brutal
0: and just get right to the taste. go right at it yeah absolutely well what was your what was your favorite country of the all the places that you went to um i'd probably have to say scotland um
1: which is the first place i went right after dublin
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it was it was incredible it was the whole architecture of edinburgh you feel like you're in harry potter or something yeah -hmm. There's, there's castles everywhere everything is like this old timey style building and it's just a magical city there's um, you know, inactive volcanoes that you can climb up and get a good view of the city. They got uh, tons of highland areas and lots of free parks and museums. I man, I've seen so much. I saw Dolly the fucking sheep in one of the museums. <laughs> with,
2: like, the actual like cloned sheep. Um, I thought you were gonna say the Dalai Lama. If I'm being oh, honest. that'd be pretty sweet <laughs> if I saw the Dalai Lama. Just walk down the street and like, <laughs> Dolly, Dolly, what up, Dolly? You'll oh, see the bitch. No. <laughs> um
1: so it was just and yeah I learned a lot about the city I went to an actual castle which was awesome and it was a perfect place for me to be especially you know just like about 48 hours after being on my deathbed in Dublin (laughs) Um,
0: yeah we were worried about you there for a while
1: oh I I was worried about me for a while (laughs) (laughs) It was rough, man. Oh, my gosh. That was the second worst hangover I've ever had in my life. The two worst hangovers I've ever had in my life were both in other countries,
0: unfortunately. Oh.
1: So The one I had in Tokyo, oh, my God. I I, I wouldn't even wish that on my worst enemy. I was throwing up and shitting and pissing. Every possible orifice of my body that could include a liquid or some type of inner mechanism of my body was letting it all out, man.
0: <laughs> and it
1: was really messed up because I was in this bed, like I was in this this really small Tokyo apartment. So I didn't have, the toilet was in this weird way. I'm, you know, six foot one, six foot two. So I didn't have like a ton of leg space mm-hmm. in this bathroom. So I couldn't get my feet planted. And anybody that's, uh, you know, anybody that's been there, if you got mud butt, you got things going on, you need, you need the firm footing. You can't just... <laughs> You can't just shit just you know with some loose feet, right? Um, so I ended up having to do like a Spider-Man type pose just to get them, just to get some traction, you know. I was oh my gosh, it was awful, just splattering everywhere, just throwing
2: up. Oh, it was. So, so you have been learning a lot from Chris Hockey in your time at K. Yeah,
1: yeah, basically, basically. I mean, I was so hungover at one point, I was just in the shower, just. Saying, help me out loud. And I'm glad that <laughs> nobody did. I'm glad nobody heard that and was like, what the? F- does this guy actually need help? Because nobody could have done anything. But I was just, I needed to say it because I was hurting. So, uh, but yeah, uh, Edinburgh was awesome. Tons of good views of the city. Things were pretty cheap, too. Lots of good food. I was surprised about that. And, you know, Scotland's not really known for their cuisine. Yeah. scene. But I had haggis. That shit was fucking delicious. Like, really? I, I would eat a whole plate right now. Yeah. And it's like, if you look at the ingredients, it's like the most disgusting meal you've Right. Probably, you know, it's like blood and guts and all types of stuff. Yeah. But it was Delicious, like one yeah. of the best meals I had in my whole trip in Europe.
2: Wow! So you're so you're definitely more adventurous than uh one quarry Cove with your... <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. oh, I go to other countries. I eat every. I ate raw horse in Japan, man. Wow! <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I told my daughter that, and she just looked at me with the straightest face, and she said, "Don't ever say that again." <laughs> oh my god! I never did. Uh, it was terrifying. but um yeah i'll try i will try anything yeah octopus raw horse i go you know any any time i go to a country i gotta try what the what the people are eating you know that's like the whole sure me i like the i like learning about the other countries when i go there i you know i check out a bunch of books and Try to watch movies, TV shows, and just get accustomed to the culture. And then when I go over there, you know, go into museums and all that type of stuff. Eating food—it's so—it's so important, you know. I i don't want to just go over someplace and and fucking eat McDonald's everywhere. Right. You know? right. Which is fun to try other places McDonald's for sure. <laughs> McDonald's in Japan is the best freaking McDonald's on planet Earth. But um, yeah, I like I like I, I'm definitely. More adventurous, I guess. But, I mean, that's a relative term. More adventurous than Corey Cove is not (laughs) super adventurous in terms of eating food. So, uh, But I, I like to try as much as possible. I will eat almost fucking anything or do almost anything if the locals are doing it.
2: Sure. well the- that's, a, that's a great way to travel and uh you know that's one thing that kind of holds me back because i'm somewhere between you and cory uh, <laughs> for uh trying new foods but i think it like is- a regular person <laughs> yeah, just, just a regular white yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. guy but um yeah now, have you been out to vegas before max
1: no i never been to vegas no no I've okay never been to- I don't so a-
0: and you're planning to go in may
1: right I hope so. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I was gone for two weeks. So, uh, you know, literally as the wheels of my plane touched down in North America, the very first thing that happened is my phone vibrated. And it was one Chad Abbott saying, it's time for you to get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, damn, man, can I breathe? Can I step off the plane? Seriously?
2: Uh." But no, he didn't. was complaining that hard about board hopping every day. <laughs> he, didn't, he,
1: didn't, no, he had no idea that I had just landed. It was just crazy timing, but he must've just sensed it. But um, so we'll see. We'll see what's up, but I would love to go. Even if I could just go for a day or two, I'd love to, you know, I hear about Vegas all the time and about the yearly trip and how fun it is. So I would, I would love to go. Plus there's a absolutely uh, colossal boxing match happening in Vegas that weekend that I would love to try to. Oh, wow i go my way into yeah pound for pound best fighter in the world is fighting in vegas that weekend so
0: oh that's awesome we're gonna have to bet on that
1: oh um, yes you gotta you got to yeah it's a good fight too so you might be able to get some action with the uh with the underdog it's, it's gonna be a crazy fight well that's um, cool
0: well Ve- i think vegas would suit a guy like you because uh, you're young and you're adventurous and there are lots of adventures to be had it's the only city <laughs> Where I ever had somebody tell me, "Hang on one second, I have to go talk to this guy. He's kind of a drug dealer." And I've, <laughs> I, I thought to myself, "Isn't that like you're either a drug dealer or you're not? I don't think there's like a whole lot of gray area there, but apparently there was with this guy. So,
1: <laughs> hey, hey, sometimes business goes that way, you know." <laughs> He's a, he's, a, he's a jack of all trades.
0: <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit because, you know, we're trying to have our listeners learn a little bit about more, a little bit more about Max. And so I want to go back to your childhood and uh, just, you know, for the for for the education of all of us. Uh, <laughs> where, where did you grow up? And, you know, what was what was childhood like for Max?
1: Uh, I grew up in Egan. Uh, Minnesota I was born in La Crosse Wisconsin but I pretty much lived in Egan most of my life I lived in this area that uh, we um, kindly referred to as the Slater projects mm. uh, it wasn't uh obviously not the projects because it's Egan Minnesota but it was <laughs> one and only neighborhood in Egan where pretty much all the brown people lived uh. so, and even I actually ended up interviewing the mayor of Egan years later, and I referred to it as the Slater Projects, and he knew exactly what I was talking about. So it was kind of funny. But um, so it was I actually it was really nice because you wouldn't think in, growing up in the suburbs of Minnesota that you could grow up and have a, a multicultural experience. But that's exactly what I had. You know, we had. Vietnamese people all over the neighborhood we had you know Latinos all over the neighborhood and uh, all types of Native Americans Indians I mean I just had so many different types of friends and so many different types of people from different walks of life and cultures in my life and growing up and I think that was really key to uh, who I became later on obviously someone who wants to see the world and and try different things because I was always being exposed to different stuff as a kid Um, my neighborhood wasn't the best. I got into a lot of fights because, uh, believe it or not, I talked a lot of shit as a kid. I mean, shocker, (laughs) surprise, surprise, but I I talked a lot of shit. That's why it was so funny. The Will Smith thing, seeing certain people's reactions they are like, you can, you're just going to slap someone over a joke. I don't like every single fight I've ever been in was because I was joking on somebody. (laughs) 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 and I either someone was roasting me too hard or I was roasting somebody else too hard I don't even know another reason to fight somebody honestly but so I got into I got into a lot of trouble as a kid actually I was always talking shit I was always getting into fights and stuff like that but um eventually I realized well I wasn't really like the law or the school system that scared me. My parents would make me. They would yell at me, and they'd make me get haircuts when I got in trouble. Oh, oh, it was so like just tears in my eyes, just watching my afro just fall to the ground. <laughs> oh my so, god! So
2: really, when you're when you're at your baddest, you have uh, short hair.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you, you seen, if have you see if I've ever <laughs> seen it, I'm bald, I just did some crazy <laughs> shit. Like I That's, just am absolutely unhinged
2: type of shit. And- just lands in lands in Vegas and just cornrows <laughs> ready to go. Like, yeah. No words on the tweet. <laughs> just just no
1: straight not a speck <laughs> of hair on my head. Just Tupac status. Um so yeah, they would make me cut my hair when I would do bad stuff. So that's when I was really yeah, that's when I was really at my lowest. My hair is my power. But yeah, no, I I've um I was I'm I'm very grateful for having the the people on most of my friends that I have today I grew up with them in that very neighborhood you know wow. known, I'm lucky that my roommate he's right upstairs my best friend he he moved into the neighborhood middle school we've been friends ever since Well, you know my, I I've known I literally one of my best friends I've known him since the first day at kindergarten we grew up together I'm very lucky to to have grown up in the neighborhood that I did and get that type of exposure because especially living in Minnesota, a lot of people don't have that exposure to other cultures and people who don't look in. And sound like them. So, yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, I grew up in a town of like 10,000 people, and I would say 9,900 and about 75 were white. So, yeah, <laughs> it's you don't get that diversity. And you were like, you were almost making my mouth water there describing all of the different cultures because, like, that's some amazing food. No wonder you have a, oh, a, a oh, yeah, for man. different food, awesome. man. <laughs> I've
1: always been skinny my whole life, but I've I've always been eating good, man.
0: <laughs> Lucky man, like especially when you said Vietnamese, man. I'm like Vietnamese food is some oh, of the best. Like that's the absolutely best. the best. Fun, but my,
1: my very best friend, friend growing up was Vietnamese. he'd take me to all the restaurants. His family would cook up all the Vietnamese food, and of oh. course, you know, like they would. They'd always you're 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 too skinny. You got to eat oh. some more. And I'm like. <laughs> right. I'm full, but I, it was so good I would just keep eating. Um, yeah, it was so. I actually used to be able to speak Vietnamese. Semi- wow, oh, that's how much we hung out. <laughs>
0: so, that's yeah, awesome.
1: I, I was lucky to to have be exposed to so many different cultures, man.
0: So, what sports did you play growing up? Like, did you play any high school sports, or just kind of recreational? Or,
1: um, man, I I was forced to play basketball and football, but I hated it at first Mm. I did not want to do it at all because growing up I just didn't want to try at anything at all like I I wasn't just instantly good at it I was just willing to just give it up I didn't want to practice <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want to practice i didn't understand any like i just all i wanted to do was hang out with my friends you know like play video games i didn't care about any of that stuff so um i was i was forced to play basketball and that's the thing too for a lot of my life i mean i, I had glasses from kindergarten until eighth grade big giant harry potter glasses <laughs> Like not because my vision was bad, it's because I had a cockeye. So like if I took them off, like one of my eyes would just be totally fucked and like go inward basically. Was oh. like, I was totally cross-eyed. And so imagine the time I had trying to hit on women at the water park. Right. Um, awful. awful. <laughs> but and so I was and I was skinny, so I wasn't very athletic for a lot of my life. And then there was just some random I remember there's like a random time I was playing football. And I actually got past the ball and everyone realized that I was fast. And that Mm. kind of changed my whole perception on everything. Because once I knew I could be competitive – and actually keep up with everybody that's what kind of activated um a competitive drive in me and so i played basketball i played i played football This was my first year in high school but i again i didn't i didn't want to do it my roommate right now i actually used to just pretend i would go to practice and i would just hang out with him until my parents <laughs> pulled up to pick me up at practice one day and they found out that i hadn't been there in a month so um <laughs> so yeah I, I, but my neighborhood again we we had so many different cultures we played as a neighborhood we played all different types of sports we'd get together and play soccer baseball rugby basketball uh, you know anything so mm-hmm. i grew up with different types of stuff but i just wasn't i didn't feel very competitive about it for a long time but now, I mean, now, you know, if I go, if I go step out on the court, I'm, I'm trying to hoop everybody, you know, like yeah, <laughs> I'm totally competitive now. But back then, as growing up. I didn't feel it at all.
0: Well, the guys are look, always looking for a uh, content for the, the on the video side of things. I think you versus Hawk in a game of one on one would be uh, digital gold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've thought about that before. I'm like, what if we just had like a, a giant K fan basketball tournament? That would be awesome. <laughs> Although I would take absolutely zero pride in winning it, but, which I would. I mean, let's be real. Come on,
2: AJ might be able to give you a run. For okay, him.
1: AJ, AJ, I feel like he might, he might get some buckets. AJ might get some buckets. I feel like Corey's low key probably got a jump or two, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm definitely. I think I'm, a, I'm, I'm confident in my skills in that one.
0: Well, Hawk once tore his ACL playing basketball with uh, K-Fan guys. So, yeah. Oh, he, really? I, he, yeah. He, well, because um, cause one of the founders of Power Trip was superstar Mike Morris, and he's a 6'5 NFL player. And Hawk, um, you know, being his height, tried to out-rebound superstar and tore his ACL in the process. So, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> Well does have a good history, so you definitely have an advantage there even if you can't take down AJ. So that's that's
1: hilarious. I didn't even know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, so eventually you made your way. Did you did you go to college anywhere or did you just yeah. go straight from high school into working land?
1: I went to Normandale community college at first for my first two years. Mm-hmm. Normandale is an absolutely unhinged place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on a, any given day, you'll see people dressed up as Ash Ketchum from Pokemon, carrying around Pokemon cards. People would be playing Nintendo Wii in in the middle of the hallway. One time, I walked in and there was this dude uh, rapping "Lose Yourself" by Eminem over a PA system, like he wrote it. I mean, you if you didn't hear ever hear the song, the way, the passion, the vigor that this man was rapping "Lose Yourself" with, you would have thought that he wrote it. It was. It was just an insane place. Uh, teachers would try to fight you. It's a weird, it was a weird environment. But I, I I got a great education there. And then I moved on from there to the University of Minnesota. And that's where I started doing radio. Um, I got to do it at Radio K. Yeah.
0: Well, fun. Um, so one of the jobs that we have to ask you about is uh, working at the VU. Oh, um, yeah. What you gotta tell me, like what is what is the interview process like when you go to apply <laughs> for a job at the VU? <laughs> well, basically it was really
1: weird because they just kind of let me shadow one of the DJs and he it was just like a test, pretty much. Like if he thought I was cool, then I would get hired, and if he mm-hmm. didn't, I wouldn't. And I thought that was kind of strange because I'm like, y'all don't even know who I am. Like you guys aren't even trying to protect anybody at all. What if I was just a big pervert? You guys just let me into the fucking strip club. Like you guys didn't do any type of background, anything like all of that happened afterwards. They just let me in. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I don't, I don't, I know I'm a good person and I'm not up to anything, but I don't even feel safe with this. Like, are you guys going to rob me? Um, it was a strange process. And pretty much halfway through the guy just was like, Oh yeah, you're good. He didn't even really – I didn't do anything on the turntables or anything. He's just like, yeah, you're good. You're fine. And also uh, the, the person that trained me in was selling coke during my job training process.
0: Kind of a drug dealer.
2: Kind yeah.
1: Of, kind of a drug dealer. Like one of the <laughs> girls came up to him and he just said there's like, oh, this customer needs said they need some blow. And I thought she was just like making conversation. I'm like, you know, who says that? Who just says that out loud? What a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> And then, the, and then the DJ just, oh okay, cool. And he goes over there and just, whoop, it's like, yeah, it happens sometimes. And I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was it was just a, it was a fucking crazy ass place to work, man. And yeah, that first day that you're there, you're like, Oh my god, <laughs> you know, naked women, anyway. like like, wow but after like three four days of working a full-time shift it doesn't affect you at all like you're just having regular conversations with with women with the tits out you know like it's totally normal you're just doing the normalest shit in the strip club and it's no big deal like i would just eat sandwiches in the middle of this in the strip club we'd be playing nintendo switch and shit like just the weirdest fucking things that nobody else would ever do in the strip club but when you work there it's just so normal. i had you guys know from listening to this show i'm one of the horniest people alive i had zero <laughs> sex drive zero sex drive like i would come home and porn would disgust me I would ah, uh, I was like, I'd be like, ah, oh, pussy, get get that way. Oh, oh not, today. not today. Um
0: it's like somebody that worked at McDonald's that never wants a happy meal again.
1: It, it, it is, it is. Once you yeah, once you know once you know what goes into the, the behind the scenes, then you're like, no, nah, I'm good. Right.
2: <laughs> not now, pussy. Not
1: and now. then once it becomes a business thing, it's just like, oh man, like yeah, it was, yeah, it was it was uh it could be a draining place, but man, I, I don't regret it for anything. It was one of the most fun jobs I've ever had. And again, my- I, I went, met one of my best friends that I've ever made in my entire adult life. She's a 50-year-old stripper that fucking works <laughs> during the daytime. We're best friends. She's like a witch. She does like tarot cards and shit. <laughs> She's one of my best friends. Like wow. still today, I, I love her to death. Like I said, they would, they every day they'd come they'd with bread, meat, they'd make sandwiches we'd all have lunch together and i obviously heard some freaking crazy stories from the, the women working at the strip club because they just have seen so much shit and i saw some crazy shit myself obviously and uh, it was it was a time and i made for not working there for super long i made a lot of i mean i still have ones to this day and i haven't worked <laughs> in two years i still have <laughs> Still have ones from from working at the strip club,
2: like. And, but did you? But did you have to show your tits? <laughs> me?
1: No. They they just they paid me extra to just sit in the corner and not say, not do anything. <laughs> like you know what? Like you work here technically, but just just don't do anything. Um, and my guess not, is
0: you saw more than one sure. K fan person. You don't have to name names. But my guess is you've seen some K fan personalities <laughs> walking in and out of the pool a few times. <laughs> nice.
1: Oh my gosh! I've seen all types of people in there. I mean, people were literally would be. The strip club open at like noon, and people would be at the door at eleven fifty. Man, like waiting outside, like <laughs> some fucking Jordans just dropped or something. Like <laughs> it, it was insane. I, I thought I thought multiple people were getting a new job the first day I showed up there. I'm like, oh, you guys here for the DJ shift too? They're like, no, we're, we're waiting to go in. I'm like. <laughs>
0: Oh, <laughs> what time's right. that hot dog bar open
1: it's
2: noon that's man. my pastor
1: <laughs> guys would come in and the, 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 there was regular guys that's how the day shift works they come in on certain days almost every single week it was it was just a fact i learned so much about people working at, at deja vu man it was quite the experience
0: that's the best well eventually you made your way over to iHeart what um what was that process like is that you know were you just trying to get into radio anywhere was there something about iHeart that appealed to you or what was what's the background on how you came to iHeart
1: well yeah I um I had been working at Radio K and I started I volunteered there for a couple months and then I actually was lucky enough to get a paying job there doing you know kind of like NPR type stories I was DJing too and um I actually added my own sports show there and talk show, whatever, where I would Mm -hmm. say just outlandish things that my program director didn't support. Um, (laughs) But everyone loved it. And um, I was doing these NPR type stories. That's how I met. the. I don't know if you guys heard me tell a story about the black guy that held the Confederate flag rally that I interviewed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, which was a thing. Me and him got drunk together when that was very strange. Uh, <laughs> that's where I met the Ghostbusters and went on a ghost hunt. I mean, that's where I hung out with the guy that does super, he dresses up as a superhero and does superhero shit. I talked to a lot. I got to talk to a lot of different kinds of people um, working at Radio K. And so I was lucky enough to get that radio experience. And I saw there was an opening at iheart and obviously iheart's they're the, they're the top dog in the in the industry they're the best they they know what they're doing and they're an amazing company voted you know one of the best companies to work for consistently every year and how how could i not want to work there you know it's and so i applied i actually was doing i was doing board hopping work for every other station except for KFAN i was doing overnights so i was you know i was doing stuff – kwb Cities 97 um, cool 108 and all that stuff and i was doing that for a long time um, making sure all the commercials run right and all that and then also giving away tickets which was <laughs> that was a, that's an experience um talk to all the drunk dialers yeah yeah, yeah yeah or people that think that they're like actually on the radio and so they're like <laughs> yeah k-102 is my country and i'm like that's so cool. <laughs> can i get your name and like your address like i still need your information you know Calm down must um yeah <laughs> and so it was but that was fun i, I and i like doing it but I, this overnight i didn't get to see people or interact with people that's how i met zach though that's how i met brianne that's actually what brianne is the one that got me at k-fan because she was doing the same job that i was doing and then she started helping out at k-fan and she was saying, yeah, we need uh, we need someone else to kind of help with the stuff where there's where there's a lot of stuff coming up. And I was like, I'd love to. And so she told Abbott about me and there she's like, yeah, he wants to meet you. And it was kind of funny because I like walked into his office and he was talking to my boss at the time. And he was like, oh, so you're the guy that wants to help us. And I'm like, yeah. And he like asked me like one of the questions like, oh, so like you know what you're doing and stuff? I'm like, Yeah. All right. I'm like, okay. And then I just walked out and then I'm like, what the fuck just happened? You know, like, did I get a job or not? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then it was just kind of like I got an email, like, all right, I work for K Fan. And, you know, um, you know, is amazing in a multitude of ways, just infinite ways. But I'm forever grateful, not only for her, you know, teaching me how to do all of this shit, because I'm a fucking idiot and I, I needed, you know, careful guidance. But she got me into k-fan and and the job that we had before not that long after that not even six months after that it does it ceased to exist mm. so if i didn't get in at k-fan at the time that i got in i might not even be where work- i might not have worked for iheart anymore
0: wow yeah and no because so- my my earliest memories of you were when you would uh sub for nordo with pa and that's yeah, where yeah. Like, I, I was like, this is a funny guy. And, of course, PA was all the all, super motivated to talk about life at the VU. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so the power trip. So was it just the kind of thing where, like, they just kind of rotated through and you just kind of they needed somebody on the power trip? Is that kind of how you got hooked up with Chris and the guy? Um,
1: well, actually, it was because of the VU the first time um, I was subbing in for PA at Pernorto. PA. It was either him, PA, or Nordo. It was I was subbing for one of the two, and the one of them was they were late, and which was crazy. Then that's never ever happened in the whole time. Which is I'm thinking about it now, that's never happened with anybody else ever. So this is really not like I don't know if I believe in fate or anything like that, but this is just a fucking crazy coincidence. And so you know the power trip said we'll stay extra so you know there's no dead air or anything like that mm-hmm. and that i had been working at the vu but i hadn't told abbott because i just i don't know you just don't, like i just started working there and it's not you don't want to just right away hey yeah i'm working at the strip club whatever you know i, I wasn't uh, we weren't as like i wasn't as comfortable around everybody as i was uh, you know as i am now of course and, yeah but then that day i just decided to tell him like yeah you know because he's like <laughs> So I, I dress like a goddamn bum when I'm in the studio usually. So he's like, "Why do you look decent?" And I'm like, "Well, I, yeah, I've been working at the strip club." And he's like, "What? Like what?" And then he's like, he's, uh, you know Chris walks in. And he's like, tell him that. Tell him what you just told me." And I was like, oh, "I'm a DJ, a Deja Vu." And then Hawk just yells to the other guys. He's like, "Hey." Scrap what we were just going to talk about. We got something else to talk about now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, I went on the air with them. I didn't really know them besides seeing them in passing. I knew meat sauce a little bit because I was running the board for sauce, uh, Saturdays with sauce. Mm-hmm. But that was like the first time I really got to talk to them. And we had a blast and they loved it. And it was awesome. And then during the protest for George Floyd, we had a special show running um, Yeah calling in and just you know venting talking it was really it was awesome like amazing again uh abbott he's he's amazing the best boss i've ever had but and i'm not just saying that to kiss his ass Uh, he he really is like he's an incredible dude and i thought that was the coolest thing in the world that that he did that that day and um he had actually asked me to host it but i was like i gotta i gotta be out in the streets where the people are you know and um so Hawk hosted it, and I called in from the protest, and and we had talked from there, and we had, like, a really cool conversation, and then after that, he just, he had texted me not that long after that and asked me to start helping out with the power trip, and yeah, so, and then eventually, you know, it turned from once a week to twice a week, and now it's three times a week, and and it's awesome, man, It's it's been, a, it's a life-changing opportunity, it's, it's been the funnest thing I've done in my career in radio, and it's been eight years this year, so... Wow. it's it's uh it's the most fun i've had in my in my career in radio and i'm around you know the the masters just constantly just the, the best guys i mean hall of famers <laughs> some of the best that i've ever been behind the mic and it's just like going to school I'm mean, i'm having fun i'm having a blast and it's like going to school every day
0: Well, yeah, we, we think they're pretty good guys too. Obviously we do a podcast every week about it. So, uh, yeah, we, we think they're pretty good too. And you know, the the one thing about our podcast, Dave always has like the top three quotes of the week. And, uh, so far this year, you've got about one third of the quotes of the week. Uh, you're at a crazy pace. Like, have you always been kind of like a funny guy or is that something that's more developed since you've been on the air? Uh, I mean I'm not I don't I don't have a lot of.
1: I've never had a lot of confidence in my life so like I don't think that I'm super funny but like enough people have told me that I know it's not just people being nice to me <laughs> you know yeah. I mean so it's like so yeah I mean I've always kind of been the I mean the class clown person trying to make everybody laugh and or like that's really how I process things growing up I mean a lot of people that like celebrity people that i didn't know that were and people in my own life that were super influential to me were really funny and that's kind of just like how i process things like i wouldn't as a kid i I definitely wouldn't vent to my friends and be like hey you know something traumatic happened to me i turned it into a joke and mm-hmm. then everybody laugh about it and then it's like a way to get it out too it was cathartic so it's kind of been something that's always been a part of me and always been who i am you could ask any teacher k through 12 and they'll tell you oh yeah max thought he was hilarious um (laughs) but yeah it's kind of it's kind of always been
0: something that people
1: uh, have said about me and i guess that's one of the reasons that i did i tried to get into radio initially
0: that's interesting yeah and it's 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 cool to hear you say that too because so many stand-up comedians will say the same thing where there's like a really fine line between like comedy and tragedy and that like in a way, like kind of laughing at things that either hurt them or that, you know, were were more painful experiences or traumatic experiences is kind of like an outlet and a way to express that. So uh, maybe you got a career in stand up comedy, too.
1: I would love to try. I was oh, I was heartbroken that I didn't get to do it with the rest of the with the rest of the morning yeah. show. i was dreading it and i was oh my gosh i was so fucking anxious about it and i was writing material like crazy (laughs) but it's something i've always wanted to try uh stand-up is what means one of the first art forms that i ever fell in love with i was watching dave Chappelle and you know the kings of comedy and stuff like that from a very young age and it had a big influence on me. So it's something I've always wanted to try. I don't think I'd be very good at it, but it's it's something that I've always wanted to try for sure.
0: Well, it takes balls. I mean, it really, because I I did it a little bit when I was in, uh, when I I was in college and, you know, Just, you know, some Joe Schmo, and you're around a bunch of other Joe Schmo's, and you get a few laughs here and there. But, you know, it just, to me, it was just a matter of like, hey, I had the guts to get up there and get on stage and give it a crack. And, like, that's why I respect Meat Sauce, because I know a lot of times he's playing to his crowd and he's playing to the K fan crowd, but it's still, I mean, that it takes balls to get up there and just, I mean, it's you and a microphone and nothing else. It's like you're completely naked up there. And yeah, it definitely takes, definitely takes some guts to do
1: oh yeah man it's terrifying and i i mean i used to listen to back when i was a janitor i listened to the mark Marin podcast like every day and hearing even you know the 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 most accomplished stand-up comedians in the world talk about times that they bombed and Mm -hmm. stuff like and how hard it still is for them it just makes it that much more daunting but it's something i have to it's one of those things that i have to try before i die for
0: sure Absolutely. Well, what are your, you know, um, wrapping up sort of the K fan side of this, uh, what do you have any, you know, like long-term goals with K fan or with, or with, uh, I in general, do you have like long-term goals, get your own show, that kind of thing. Um, well, or mean, are you just kind of enjoying the ride?
1: I'd, that'd be awesome. I, listen radio is what I do is what I've always just the only thing I've ever even been halfway decent at. It's, it's only this the only two things I've ever wanted to be or do in this world. And I used to want to draw Japanese comic books and write Japanese comics. And then again, like I said before, I don't practice shit. So I realized as I grew older, I'm like, wait a minute. I never even practiced drawing and I want to be a professional artist. Uh, I think I fucked up on that one. Mm-hmm. So, um, Radio is one of the only things that it's the only other thing I've ever wanted to do. I love doing it. I want to be with K-Fan as long as possible. I mean, it was kind of funny. I posted a tweet today and it's just, I just wrote it like on my notes app, like on the iPhone, uh, some stuff about the Timberwolves and someone had tweeted me and they're like, Oh my gosh, I saw the note and I thought you were leaving K-Fan. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh,
2: the, the notes app right? right i'm like mm-hmm. man
1: if, if it's up to me i'll i'll never leave it's it's the coolest environment the most friendly positive uh just nurturing and you know i'm I'm growing every day i'm evolving every day being around all these masters and like i said chad is just the best dude all the people uh in the in the building from all the other stations are amazing too uh you know like i gotta connect i've gotten chances to connect with people like musk or you know chris carr and stuff like that and they're, mm-hmm. they're they're awesome guys and um so if it's up to me i'll i'll i'll, I'll stay with k fan like common says i relate to it so hard he will have to take the mic out of my cold dead rigor mortis hands <laughs> you
2: know I, I'd,
1: love to, I'd love to do it as as long as possible man as long as they'll have me i'll, I'll be on the airwaves for k fan for sure
0: well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it's not like just some side gig while you're pursuing other dreams. I'm glad that that's,
1: that's your <laughs> no, passion. Nah, man. No, man. The only thing that could give me to leave is if, the, if I got offered two things, I guess. If someone was like, even then, I don't even think I would leave. But okay, one of them, I probably would have to just the nature of the job. If someone gave me like an Anthony Bourdain type of job. Oh, yeah. Then it's like,
0: oh, okay. Yeah.
1: If they just want me to pay me to travel around the Hell world. oh yeah. I'll do that. But like, um, the other thing I was thinking of is like, since which is heartbreaking by the way this is totally random i was over in europe and i find out fucking Maury got canceled what the fuck man yeah oh, the yeah the greatest tv show in american history it oh. just gets canceled. and so i'm like that would be a job i would love to have but i would still work at cape and even if i had a more <laughs> job but that i would I, oh my god that I, would be a dream come true
0: can totally see you going you are not the father how great would that be? I I think
1: like, I, I don't have confidence like that. Like I just said, but I would be fucking amazing at that. I would want it to be
0: a little bit more Jerry Springer esque. I want to see some fights yeah. mm-hmm. I want to see some outlandish things. I love the episodes where they would have like the uh, May, December couples. So you get like the old guy that was like 75 years old with like the 30 yeah. year old trophy wave. Yeah.
1: The best, one of the best ones I ever saw on Jerry Springer was there's a dude, uh, a little person and he was in the clan. And oh he's wearing the robes and everything. And then oh no. his wife was like, they're like, she's like, yeah, I haven't seen someone else. <laughs> it's super funny because I I didn't get to see the whole episode, but the part of they're like, all right, let's bring him out. <laughs> and this black dude walks.
0: Oh shit.
1: The <laughs> clip just ends. And oh, yeah. that makes it even funnier to me that it's just ambiguous what actually goes down after that. But Jerry Springer is just the most ridiculous thing. I got I got the chance, and I'm glad I, I for this exact occasion because I was saying Maury's fucking seventy. Who knows how long he'll be on the air? So I went. I got to see him. You know, a couple years ago, I went out to New York and saw Maury
0: live. Oh, that's we, awesome! And I'm guessing before, it was a paternity show, right? Oh
1: yeah, we got to see three episodes. Actually, it was. I got to see the lie detector paternity. All my dreams came true. It was like a kid going to, Di- you know, kids want to go to Disneyland. I wanted to go to see Maury. Like that's, that's the happiest place on earth for me. Even well, I've been to Japan, all over the world. Maury is still a top three most fun thing I've ever done in my life. Getting my favorite to-
0: thing too, is when he would always say, uh, yeah, they're backstage with one of our sexy decoys. <laughs> the sexy decoys. And they fall for it. And they fell for it every time. I know.
1: And as a kid, I'd be like, how, how? And then growing up, I'm like, yeah no yeah. i'd probably i'd probably <laughs> fall for the sexy decoy too i can't lie i would definitely fall for the sexy decoy oh, don't I, fall for the sexy... sexy
2: decoys need to have more of a presence on the internet here. Oh. <laughs> i
0: mean
2: that, that should be that should be a fire twitter account
0: <laughs> well, i was gonna say don't fall for the sexy decoys in vegas because they will charge you money so that's kind that's <laughs> of sexy decoy well I, I, I've talked a lot, uh, and I know Dave has a ton of fighting things to ask you about. Cause obviously you've got the, uh, the great podcast that you do. So I'm going to turn it over to Dave. And you guys can talk some fighting.
1: Oh yeah, man. I'm always down to talk combat fighting. What's <laughs> up, man.
2: Yeah. So, uh, I actually found the UFC really, uh, when quarantine happened. All oh, uh, right. Sweet. As the pandemic happened, uh, you know, as a sports gambler, I uh, needed something to gamble on and uh, <laughs> I absolutely fell in love with a random card that was in Brazil um, at the time. It was like the middle of middle of April in 2020. And I absolutely fell in love with the sport and have watched every everything since. But uh, how did you find uh, fighting in in your life? I I grew up with
1: boxing. My dad and my my cousins and stuff, they were super into boxing. Um, I remember seeing, you know, being really little and seeing old videos of Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard and stuff. And, of course, uh, being when I was a youth, you know, I I remember ordering pay-per-view fights with Floyd Mayweather and that was, you know, very, you know, obviously people <laughs> have a lot of opinions on Floyd and a lot of them are valid. But him <laughs> as a person in the, as a fighter in the ring, you can't question that. And that's really what helped me get into boxing. Of course, him just as a personality too. And so I, I fell in love with boxing early on. And then, of course, the older I got, learning history and, you know, boxing just, uh, the sport itself is beautiful. It's 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 technical. It's artful when it's at its best. But then the history of it. It's so corrupt. You know, it's like it got ties with the mafia, and it's just it's been going on forever. I mean, people have been professionally boxing for hundreds of years. Boxing right. was one of the first things. Uh, I, I believe it actually was the first thing ever committed to film, if not one of the first like handful of things that was ever committed to film. Like there's just so much history behind it. And I fell in love with that. Uh, when it comes to MMA, actually, my best friend, he's upstairs right now, my roommate, my best friend, my brother, he got me into MMA. He was, he's always, he's on UFC pride, all that stuff from the very beginning. He actually used to yeah. work to be a MMA fighter, but uh, in Chris hockey fashion, his knees could not hold up. Um, but, um, Rosie. um, so he got me really into MMA and it didn't right away. It didn't click for me. I didn't really, there was something like, I I, I liked it. It was interesting when it, when it was interesting, with the clinching and all that, it wasn't, it wasn't, we didn't, I didn't fall in love with it at first sight. Like I did with boxing but the more i got acquainted to it learning the techniques learning what goes into it which is super important because if you don't know what the fuck is going on you can't really appreciate it like I, like the technical like grappling and everything yeah and, and same thing. thing with like like for a completely different example but i used to hate tennis because i didn't know what was happening but then eventually, weirdly, I read this Japanese comic book that was all about tennis and I learned all the rules and stuff. And then I got into it and then I could appreciate, oh, my God, that shot was crazy because, that you know, I now I know what's going on and I can fully appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And so once I got more invested in MMA and knew what was going on and learn to appreciate not just the the brutality of it but the the technical aspects as well i i fell in love with it and, and mma is just the, there's so many personalities in the sport and it's so awesome i grew up loving martial arts and just loving anime and stuff like that and it's basically just like living anime there's people from all over the world in a giant tournament basically kind of you know it's like fucking mortal combat in real life like how do you not, how do you not love that and um so, yeah, the, that's just how I got into it. And I guess if, like, you, uh, if you count everything, just combat sports in general, professional wrestling was absolutely one of the first things I ever was obsessed with and fell in love with in my whole entire life. So
2: For sure. Same, same on that. I mean, I, I grew up in that Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, the yes. rock era. And, I mean... Those were the guys, you know, yeah, going on the trampoline it. with the, you know, the guys in the neighborhood and pretending like you're, you know, oh, the putting someone through a table, completely ignoring
1: the message at the beginning of every episode of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown where it says, "Don't try this at home." And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> bad. Sorry. Like, sorry, Vince,
2: like, I can't you, do something.
1: <laughs> you can't expect me to not hit the people's elbow on my friends. Like that's <laughs> that's unreasonable. You see how fucking cool it is. You can't expect that. So, so yeah, professional wrestling. I mean, besides comic books, that's like the first thing I really fell in love with and was obsessed with. And obviously, I think for a lot of people, some people it's different. For a lot of people, there's like a cycle. It's like you fall in love with professional wrestling when you're a kid. You think it's real, (laughs) and you're mesmerized by it. Then you find out that it's scripted, staged, whatever. You're kind of heartbroken. And you move away from it. And then you either never come back or you're able to appreciate it on a whole different level when you do come back. Because you realize, well, they're still, you know, that still hurts. They're still going through a table. That guy still got hit in the head with a chair. You still have to be able to execute these moves live and in real time on the spot. I mean, to be able For to sure. jump to jump on a rope. And do a backflip and land on someone perfectly, and that person has to basically catch you perfectly, but also look like they're taking damage. I mean, it's so it's theatrical. And Then obviously the being on the microphone, it's a it's a soap opera. It's it's yeah. a it's, it's soap opera for for anyone. Not even I was just gonna say for for adults, but for anyone, it's a, it's a it's a violent soap opera basically. For and sure. there's so much that goes into it, and so you're able to appreciate it that much more and. So yeah, I mean, uh, all all of them started at different points in my life, I guess. So um, wrestling and boxing more so as a kid, but they all they're all I'm able to appreciate all of them and, and see all of them in the same light.
2: For sure. So speaking of recent events, uh were you able to watch uh UFC 273 last weekend at
1: all? Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. I the oh. the, the, the top of the card was just that whoof, yeah. that
2: that Gilbert Burns fight was crazy. Yeah, but- Let's start. Let's start there because I think that's a fight where everybody was thinking that uh, Shemaev is, you know, going to knock off Burns. It, it, you know, he's a freight train. He's headed for the title fight, and uh, Gilbert Burns proved uh, that he's well deserved of that uh, second ranking in the division. And uh, I mean, that uh, was just an incredible three round fight. Oh man, I wish I could have gone five.
1: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> who knows what, what would have happened. But yeah, I mean, and that's a, a a lot of people. Some people think that that comes out stock went down, but that's a fight that he needed to encounter. Because guess what, you fight you fight like that, I mean, and he fought a great fight. But guess what, that wouldn't have been enough against Kamaru Usman. So you're on oh. that you're on that freight train to the top. Well, you're gonna need to encounter some bumps first before you're ready for the big dog, you know. And yeah. I, I I thought he fought really well still. Yeah. His grappling game was insane. They, he was eating punches like crazy from Gilbert Burns. <laughs> <laughs> He did, And there was a couple of times where I was like, maybe, but he didn't. There was no time where he was seriously in danger.
2: Right. And, I mean, significant strikes, you can only go so far. Like, you could tell, like, Shamayev was definitely, you know, doing more. Yeah, some, they're both more just, significant, I mean, both just putting
1: combos together. I mean, breathing out their mouths just exhausted because they're just going to freaking war. It, it was incredible. I mean, I mean, John Anik himself. Play by play, a commentator for blow by blow commentator, whatever you want to call it for UFC. He, I he, he's done hundreds of these fights, and he said it's one of the craziest fights he's ever called. So yeah. that just that just puts it into perspective, right there. It was an absolute war. I had a blast, and I'm 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 excited to see Kamza versus uh, Colby Covington, which Dana White says is next. Oh, that's I'm gonna be so exciting for that. I'm. Uh, not gonna hide it whatsoever i despise kobe covington yep. i can appreciate <laughs> what he does in the octagon he's an absolute just shit person yep and i hope uh what we thought what a lot of people thought that comes out because i you know i didn't think he was gonna blow gilbert Run- burns out the water i did think he he might have got the stoppage but i think hey, gilbert burns is a bad man you know nobody's gonna just blow him out of the water but um I hope he does do that to Colby
2: Covington. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And,
1: and I do, and I think that's a totally different, and I do think that he can do that because he, he's just, he's just as good of a wrestler, if not better, uh, than Colby Covington uh, on the mat. And he, he's way, a way better striker than Colby Covington. So I, I, I think that's a totally different fight. And I do think there's potential for him to blow Colby Covington out of the water, which uh, again, fingers crossed. Yeah. W-
2: would love that. Yeah, I'm
1: yeah. tired of seeing
2: Colby Covington on my screen. Yes. Uh, yes. We can uh, delete him from the system. Very yes, shortly. Yes, um, yes. Next up, uh, if that wasn't enough, we go, we go three rounds and L Jermaine Sterling and Peter Jan um, yeah, Anybody, you know, thinking that this is going to be just a, a mere formality uh, for Jan until, you know, he knocks out L. Jermaine Sterling. And uh, we saw uh, invigorated L. Jermaine Sterling as he was able to pull the upset. Um, what what were your thoughts on that fight?
1: I mean, what a moment to how, how vindicating after getting slandered for what it felt like years, I guess in real time was like about a year and a half or so after getting you know winning the belt via dq but how vindicating to show up and have that kind of performance for all jermaine sterling for sure it it was it was incredible you can see i mean you saw the emotion on him during the weigh-in he was emotional right after the fight he's obviously very emotional it meant the world to him and it's cool for a win lose or draw that performance really just showed him uh, showed everybody and probably proved to himself like hey i'm not here for no reason which a lot of people which i never understood why he got hated on so hard because he wasn't the one that got disqualified he wasn't the one that right he
2: he wasn't begging for to be kneed in the head while he was grounded
1: yeah so like um i never understood the hate that he got yeah he can be a corny dude but some a lot of people can be corny dudes especially in mma but um what a performance I mean just dominated uh, on on the ground when he could he just got that control time and that's really what it came down to because when it, when they were standing up and they were boxing Jan had the clear advantage there but as soon as it got down to the mat uh, I mean almin he's he's like a, he's like a freaking like a yeah, spider or something yeah, he, it yeah. just he traps you in his web and you can't get out really and, and Jan had great defense at times, But there was only so much that he could do. I did actually at the end of the fight, I thought that Jan had did enough to win, but I'm not going to call it a robbery. It was a super close fight. And if if people think that Aljamain won, I, I I would have to go back. And obviously, when they called it, I'm like, yeah, he, he did enough. He deserved to win. Either one of them could have won. I yep. thought that Jan won it immediately afterwards. But then thinking back on it, it's like, yeah, no, Aljamain absolutely did enough to win and, and people calling it a robbery that's just absurd and again P- and peter i have a feeling we'll see this fight again yeah uh, probably if, if all can you know obviously stay on top and keep the belt i have a feeling that we'll see this fight again peter jan there's no shame and you know again it was close it was super close fight no shame in losing to all this time around sure. and um Watched, I mean, I guess technically he lost twice now, but we we saw the first fight, you know. So, like, um, so no, no shame in that. He'll be back, he'll bounce back, and I'm excited to see. Uh, I believe it's going to be all Jermaine and Dillashaw's looking like. So, I'm, I'm excited, yeah.
2: Yeah, And when does Sean O'Malley, I don't know how big of a fan of uh Sean O'Malley, uh, yeah, but uh, he's kind of you know, he's. Finally got his ranking now. Uh maybe that's because he's actually declaring himself that he actually had a loss in the UFC now. But um uh you know, you gotta he's a big name in the sport right now. You gotta figure that he's gonna kind of make a, a run up to the top as well.
1: Yeah, I do like I'm a big fan of Sean O'Malley. I think he's got a lot of potential, a lot of talent. Of course, we got to see him in there with some more with some better guys some top level guys and see how that goes again i don't not just then, punching bags <laughs>
2: yeah yeah
1: and and he's turning a lot of uh impressive performances it's kind of interesting to see how they're treating him more like how a lot of promoters treat boxers on their way up which yep. is kind of more protecting them getting them the experience under their feet feeding them opponents that might not necessarily be super competitive but will teach them a thing or two and then steadily progressing which is not usually how MMA goes they kind of just throw you right into the fire yeah. um so and and I obviously Dana believes in I think that they think he's going to you know he's got the star power and he could be kind of like a next Conor McGregor type figure that is you know the face of the UFC he's yeah. got the mic skills he's uh obviously polarizing <laughs> which is i think a lot of weed yeah I, I think that's that's kind of key for it. a lot of people <laughs> have to love you and a lot of people have to really fucking hate you and uh Shadow o'malley has that part down absolutely um I, i'm big on him I, i'm interested to see where he's going to go next I, I don't think they've announced uh the direction where his next fight is going to be no. or wh- who it's going to be or anything like that but i'm super excited to see him in the octagon with one with one of those top level guys,
2: for sure. Uh, and, and then the probably actually one of the most boring fights of the whole card was uh, the the last fight was the the main event with Volkanovski and the Korean Zombie with Volkanovski yeah. hanging on there. I mean, he's he's the best of the best. He's the I, I don't think he ever loses. I mean, he'll most just have to retire. keep
1: looking better and better. Skills keep getting sharper and sharper. Korean Zombie what a beast what a warrior i mean just doesn't and yeah. which wasn't necessarily to his benefit on saturday night no. because he was getting pummeled but i mean gosh just what a chin on that guy and so all props to him but volk he's just looking faster and sharper smarter every time we see him in the ring and it's 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 incredible to see and he i I mean, Max Holloway, uh, I would love to see him and Max Holloway get it on again. But like you said, I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to get stopped anytime soon. It's kind of one of those same situations with Kamar Usman where it's like, I guess we're just waiting on father time to catch up with them and rather than someone right. actually besting them in competition because it it doesn't look like that that's going to happen anytime soon. No. And yeah, it, was, it definitely uh, – Gilbert Burns and, and Kamzai kind of... Uh, so that was a hard act to follow. Especially, I mean, oh, all, yeah. Peter Yan was super exciting too. So it was almost like the Korean Zombie uh, versus Volk was bound to, to to be a letdown compared to that. And I mean, most people didn't think it was going to be a very competitive fight anyways. And i mean the the zombie had his moments for sure, and it was cool to see the crowd get behind him. that was awesome and and he came out to zombie oh, <laughs> that was a pretty funny moment, but no. uh, yeah, he just didn't he just i mean Volk was just another level, and again, there's no shame in losing to someone like that that's one of the best of the best
0: well, that's my one m m a question for you max uh is uh what would your m m a walk up song be
1: my <laughs> MMA walk up song dang um Hmm. It'd have to be something super ridiculous. <laughs> Some like Japanese pop music or something like that. <laughs> or, like, just to completely take someone off guard. Or it'd have to be like the hardest, most gangster shit that you like. I'm like gunshots at the beginning. Like s- the N word is said like 75 times. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it would have to be something. Oh, so
2: DMX. DMX.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. DMX. Would be- Perfect. It would just as a matter of fact, it would just be like him barking. It wouldn't be an actual song. <laughs> oh, I just may just put it like just someone beatboxing and then just DMX barking. That would be that would be my walk up song. That would be perfect. How do you how do you not get hype off that? Or maybe some like three six mafia? That would be really cool. Uh Waka Flock of Flame. But then I I, mean, I might not even make it to the ring at that point. I might just fight someone in the crowd because I'm so hype. <laughs> Waka Flocka
0: and that um, would be the most entertaining fight of the year.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I might just start jumping in the crowd and start a mo- oh, some mosh pit. or uh, maybe some death grips too. I don't know if you guys are familiar with death grips, but they're um that's some that's some fucking radical shit. That was one of the craziest concerts yeah. I've ever been to.
0: So was, we need to that's that that would be a great video project for K-Fan is like filming you like doing an MMA walk up and uh with some different some different songs you could have like meat sauce as your uh, bodyguard walking with you. I think that would be great <laughs> content for the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, but I think it I think I would probably I wouldn't stick with one song every single time. Uh, I would have to probably switch. You know, maybe maybe throw some old school some old school hip hop in there. Uh, <laughs> That's some random like disco music or something yeah
2: like I, I was like, thinking like, they, like like gimme 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 by uh abba
1: <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be awesome dude that, just, that start like, kind of hits pretty hard like some fucking shade like who cares you know whatever <laughs> I, I i always i always judge people by the ring walk music and it doesn't it doesn't have any bearings on the fight i remember someone came out to like some fucking flow rider and i'm like oh this dude's getting torched like you can't come on bro <laughs> like and then he just absolutely <laughs> obliterated the guy. So it's just what, whatever, I guess, whatever you got to do. Or like, you know, Mexican fighters in, in boxing all the time, they'll come out to the, like the most classical Mexican, like Spanish music that you ever heard. And it's like
2: slow and it's almost, you know, it's like, what the hell?
1: Why, how are you coming out to this? And then they'll just beat the shit out of a guy. So I uh, guess. <laughs> i guess whatever you gotta do is i love i love the, the whole idea of walk-up music and everything but i think i would have to switch every time yeah i think it would probably go between gangster shit and like super poppy or it'd be like something really random like she and him you know like, like, <laughs> like listening to like fucking zoe deschanel or the <laughs> like that
0: well so. that's awesome well hey the last thing i want to ask you about before we let you go tonight is um a while back you posted um some pictures of your lovely daughter which by the way no paternity test on maureen needed because she has your eyes and your smile she's a beautiful little girl Uh, what's life been like for you being a girl dad
1: oh man it's incredible um yeah i was really young when when my daughter was born i was 19 um so obviously i was i was super scared i had no idea i was right it was like a month i graduated from high school and like a month later i found out i was having a kid wow i was fucking terrified um but as soon as uh you know it was just nine months of dread more he wasn't fun for nine months that wasn't cool
0: so mm. i'm like
1: wow i'm having my own baby like
0: right This wasn't
1: funny this guy's going through some serious shit no i'm i'm laughing at people again but so it's fine <laughs> but um as soon as I saw her when she was born, like the first time that we looked into each other's eyes, all of that went away. And, and I mean that sincerely. I'm not just trying to be like, you know, corny It, mm-hmm. it all went away. I stopped all that fear, all that anxiety. I'm just like, this is someone that I know that they, that she loves me. She understands. Me. It just felt like she understands me. And we've always been super close. my Her whole life. And, like we just she acts a lot like me so again no (laughs) protection that's needed um she acts just like me the more she the more she grows up Mm -hmm. um she's in in almost every way she's a perfect split between me and her mom and she's just she's so smart she's so insightful she's the funniest kid ever and it, it changed my life in so many ways i wouldn't be uh, I was, Like I said, I was such a fucking idiot growing up and, and, and having her, it made me see so much in the world and it slowed down everything. and made me act with purpose and, and just be more mindful and thoughtful of things. And it's, it's, it's been incredible. I, I love hanging out with her. She's, she's my best friend. We, we have the coolest relationship and I love being a dad. It's one of the most magical things in the world. Um. I uh that being said, I don't I do not I would jump off a bridge before I have another kid, but
2: um uh, <laughs> well, she's the perfect I was just about kid. to say that out. was
0: beautiful. You, you broke another, <laughs> right? Huh? You broke the mold because uh she's perfect. She's perfect. I'm
1: one for one, that's all I need to do. <laughs> I don't I don't need to have another kid. Um I'm good, but yeah, no, she's she's incredible. She's the best thing that's ever happened
0: to me for sure. Do you get your fingernails painted by her regularly?
1: all the time i used to paint her fingernails too and it's something something i took pride in actually uh, i was offended when she stopped letting me paint her fingernails because i was like wow this is like i almost applied at the shop up the street i'm like hey man i'm getting i'm getting pretty fucking good at this man my fingernail
0: Uh, painting is sick
1: yeah like i'm gonna hit up tyra banks or something get on america's next top model um no yeah i I, fingernails painted i'll do whatever to make her smile man i the during quarantine well we couldn't go like trick-or-treating like we normally did i just Mm -hmm. i I just put different outfits in every room in the house and i just pretended (laughs) like i was a different person you know that's awesome different candy and stuff Like, like i'll fucking i'll do anything she asked me to dress up as hello kitty for christmas one year I dressed up as fucking hello Kitty. I went to the bar as hello kitty you know like i, <laughs> I don't I don't give a fuck. I will literally do anything to make her smile, so <laughs> so yeah,
0: well, that's awesome man I, I like I said, I love seeing those pictures. I could tell that you know you were you were definitely a proud daddy, and um like i said she's a she's a beautiful girl, and she's a perfect little image of you, so uh love seeing thank that you,
1: thank you. she's amazing, her mother's amazing i'm I'm lucky to have this support system that I do. Uh, with everybody around her and she's a, she's an incredible kid.
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time tonight, hopefully, Max. Um, hopefully our yeah. listeners have gained a ton of insight uh, about uh, <laughs> one of our favorite additions to the Power Trip oh, over no. the last... Uh, year or so and by the way because we talked about this off the air before we got on the air but um i'm i'm the consummate betting against the wolves guy i got my ass no. kicked this year and i am fully on the bandwagon so good luck to your wolves do you remember when i tweeted
1: y'all when you tweeted the over under <laughs> I, I tried to tell y'all that, that this is gonna I be know. people were trying to nominate me for preposterous statement of the year <laughs> tournament saying that the wolves were going to be good this year i'm not saying I, you know i'm not i'm not one to toot my own horn but i was absolutely fucking right 100 of the time the entire season so that's you know uh i'm, I'm just gonna say next season you might you guys might want to consult me before you put that out there just, <laughs> uh, I, I, I i was dead wrong the <laughs> oh
0: well,
1: i'm glad you. I'm, I'm i'm sorry that you probably lost some money but uh <laughs> It's uh, at the expense of the wolves
0: actually being good. Uh, yeah, wonderful.
2: yeah, we're we're pro Ant Man. We're we're go Wolves yes. podcast yeah, from here bro. on out.
0: That's right. At, at least until we bet against them the next time, but not the rest of this year. That's for sure. <laughs> there we uh, go.
2: There good, we go. Good know. luck. And
0: I, and and I'm I'm legitimately super thrilled for all you know all the long suffering wolves fans that have dealt with like an absolutely uh, incompetent group of people for a long time. And it's so cool that it's actually come together. And there it's and it's not just this year. I mean, the, it feels like the foundation is there for a long time. And I think that's what's most exciting, regardless of what happens in the postseason this year.
1: Yeah, and that's what that's what the wolves were celebrating last night. That's what the fans were celebrating last night. And yep. honestly, just fuck anybody that was hating on <laughs> on the fans and the players. Celebrate! That's that's
0: ridiculous. That's right. I but, want I want <laughs> I want Pat Bev at every one of my celebrations, man. So <laughs> yeah, sit on the table. You know, throw <laughs> the jersey. You know, flex. That's the we've been weighing the wolves and people come here. I've been coming
1: here laughing when they play the wolves for years. You know, it's about time. We have some fucking pride, and be happy. And it's the beginning of a new era. So yeah. Yeah. It's just ridiculous that people are hating on that.
0: That's right. Let's go. Well, hey, thanks so much, Max. Uh, of course. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we hope you're a K-Fan for many, many years to come.
1: <laughs> Thank you, man. Uh, it's an honor to be on the podcast. You guys know you can all at me anytime. I'd love to do it
0: all right well that was a blast uh max is the king
2: yeah i mean he's he's just so he brings such a different element to the show and he's just so versatile um you know he's willing to try anything literally anything (laughs) um I, i think he's probably one of the most eclectic people um i've ever heard on the radio and that's saying a lot because just about everybody on the radio is uh is eclectic but uh yeah great to hear from max and hope he keeps doing well
0: absolutely yep uh, he's <laughs> he's a whole lot of fun and i i really hope he makes it out to vegas because i think he will he will definitely be a source of some stories out in vegas that's for sure all right. Well, that will do it for this week's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Dave, where can they find you at?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at power trip quotes.
0: All right. I'm of course at power trip bets and I'm PT bets on uh, Instagram. Um, I don't think I've posted since I went to Myrtle beach and played golf, but very uh, you, you can follow me there. I will usually follow people back. And, uh, yeah, i i need to I need to get some uh, some Vegas pictures posted or something when when I go. I just uh, nothing interesting going on in Kansas City really that's so uh, Instagram worthy. So uh, maybe maybe we'll find something out in Vegas to uh, to take some photos of and stick them out there. So
2: not a roll sandwich.
0: <laughs> Hell no, EOS you POS you're dead to uh, us. So that's absolute fact. All right, thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. That'll do it. Tomorrow morning at 5 30 a.m., Paul
2: Allen is next. Let's blow this thing up. You know what? Never mind. I like the show today. We're not going to blow it up. We did our very, very best. Abigail, tell them bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Everybody, everyone.